boom, there it is. All right, it is a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. It's 420. Uh, we got a lot to uh, celebrate and talk about today, and uh, I'm excited for our awesome guest who uh, is going to talk about, uh, what did I say there? Uh, handling unexpected changes. Oh, yeah, we got some other... We're going to have a good time today, everybody. Tune in. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, here we are. Welcome to this beautiful, beautiful April day. Uh, before we jump in and chat with our awesome guests, I really quickly want to remind everybody to follow the show wherever it is that you're listening to, to us on. Follow us on your social uh, favorite social media platform. You can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. And if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is, please subscribe, leave us a review, help us to show up higher in search results, help us to be here and be able to help the community uh, providing this resource. And if you want to support the show, there's a super easy way. You're already paying for your insurance. Why not work with a polyam insurance professional? Send me a DM on your favorite social media at Practicing Polyam. Ask me about your malpractice and errors in emissions insurance. And as always, I want to remind you, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. If you are actively polyam, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, we want to hear your story. If you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kinkster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace, whatever it is, we want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us. The more representation we have, the better we can serve our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, that is my spiel. And now to the best part of the show, introducing our guest. Our guest today has been studying relationships and human behavior her entire adult life and has used her knowledge and experience to become a marriage coach and sex specialist. She believes that our relationships are the most important parts of our lives. The health of all, all of our relationships, romantic, familial, and friendships, but most importantly, our relationship with ourselves has the ability to affect all other areas of our lives. So it's important that we cultivate an environment where we're supported and loved in all of these relationships. Our guest's goal is to give is to empower her clients, giving you the tools to be successful so that eventually you don't need to see her anymore. Whether you're struggling to connect and communicate or recovering from a betrayal, today's guest can teach you how to love your partner without losing yourself. Joining us today from Kendall's Garden out of Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to the show, Kendall Edwards. <laughs> I love that intro music. It always gets me pumped up, gets me going. Kendall, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, minutes ago, minutes ago, 15, 20, 30 minutes ago, we had an announcement out of Minneapolis, I think it was, right? Yeah. Uh, and today... I happen to have uh, a voice of the black community, which I'm going to say this, uh, you know, I don't have nearly enough 
POC voices. So if you are POC and you're listening, sign up to be on the show. We need your stories. But today, especially kind of a historic day. I mean, definitely a historic day. Um, I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about that maybe later on. But uh, I want to give you a platform, uh, an opportunity to speak. I want to hear your your initial reaction to this news that just came out, uh, you know, that that George Floyd's murderer is, in fact, found guilty. Um, please share, share with me your thoughts. I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, I think that was a really big moment um, to see someone who is obviously guilty be charged, you know, because usually um, when things like this happen in our community, we don't see um, a lot of the justice that we want to be served. So this is really refreshing to see. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, I, what I was thinking is, is, you know, it is, it feels historic in a way that it shouldn't. Right. Like it's been so many times that that justice has been denied and denied and denied. And for once uh, it, we're, we're seeing we're seeing justice actually be dealt. Right. It, we're, we're seeing the hand of justice uh, uh, hit, hit the hammer the way that it's supposed to. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of my my reaction is like, yes, yes. But also, like, why did it take this long? Right. Yeah. Anything to say on that? Um, I want to hear. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear your. I want to hear from you. Yeah, um, I think this is definitely long overdue. Um, I'll be interested to see how the city of Minneapolis responds to this, um, since it, it happened, you know, in their neighborhood and in and um, that specific community. Um, but yeah, this is it's definitely long overdue. It's time for us to start seeing a real change in our in our justice system. And I think this is a really good first step. Really good first step. I 100% agree with you there. Um, so there are a lot of things that you do in your work. Now, switching gears here. Um, you work specifically with uh, polyamorous couples. Uh, I did a little research on you. I saw that you actually work with couples that are uh, recovering from, from betrayal. Uh, so that's definitely would be an unexpected change, right? Since that's our, our title of our, our show here today. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, some of the work that you've done. Uh, and actually, you know what, before we get to the work that you've done, let's talk a little bit about your history. What's gotten you uh, to this point? What inspired you? What made you choose to work with uh, polyam and non-monogamous couples? Um, well, initially, when I when I started my education, I wanted to do, you know, like psychiatry, like go to uh, medical school and things like that, and really work with some of the more interesting mental disorders that you see. Um, mm -hmm. But it can be really heavy and like weighing on you a lot. So I decided to shift gears into something else that I'm really passionate about. Um, and when I discovered that I was polyamorous in undergrad around like the age of 19, I was like, well, this is perfect. This is this huge unexpected change for me. Um, I, I really want to learn more about this, about the way that people relate to each other um, and some of the beliefs that we have about what love should look like. Um, mm -hmm. That's a whole area of psychology in itself. So I immediately ran towards um, family and marriage because um, that was the most relevant field and I have a real passion for it. So that's how I ended yeah. up here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And in in uh, family and marriage, 
books, psychology, that's the, the studies that are out there right now, there's not necessarily a ton uh, that is that is focused on non-monogamy or, or anything other than monogamy. Uh, that kind of study, that kind of research is fairly new. I had uh, Dr. E- Eli Sheff on the show not too long ago, and she's been studying polyamorous families the longest for about 25 years. So when you started studying it, what were you reading? What kind of resources were you looking into? Did you have to develop your own studies? Um, no, actually, luckily, when I was discovering these things, I had professors that I could ask at my university. Um, so it wasn't necessarily in the textbooks. But as we were reading things about attachment, um, attachment styles and um, general sort of um, rates of cheating and rates of domestic violence and things like that, I was just able to ask my questions and get their perspective sort of in the moment. Um, but it wasn't necessarily in the literature that we were reading. I had to get that from their own personal perspective and their expertise. Got it. Got it. And speaking of questions, uh, we actually have one uh, from our Facebook viewers. Uh, I think he means what is polyamorous. So uh, for uh, Rolando here, if someone were to ask you, what is polyamorous, how would you define it? Um, As a ethical non-monogamous love style. Um, It is sort of um, a very similar counterpart to monogamy. Um, Instead of loving one person, you have the ability to love multiple people and have parallel relationships. Got it. Thank you for, for, uh, (laughs) thanks for the explanation. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it is kind of like those, those basic questions that a lot of people that uh, are just learning about polyamory don't, maybe don't know exactly what it is. Um, And, you know, you have, you, you, you've done a lot with the polyamorous community in your work. I'm sorry, I'm kind of brain farting a little bit here. But <laughs> this is what happens on a live show, by the way. Sometimes we just, <laughs> you know, flub our words and we just kind of roll with it. Do or do not. There is no try. Thanks, Yoda. I appreciate it. <laughs> and then we get those little breaks too, to kind of uh, recenter us. So... You started working with uh, polyamorous people. You found out that you were polyamorous yourself. What are some of the some of the struggles, I guess, that you've seen? And you know, is there? How do I say? How do how do I ask this? Um, is there a particular trend that you see in the polyamorous community? Uh, things that you're you're noticing that are more problematic, like, like common themes that you see in your work? Um, so mostly when I get clients that come into my office, they are usually just starting out. Um, sometimes there has been a history of infidelity um, that they're trying to overcome, or maybe they've um, worked their way through that. Um, and they are on the same page about wanting to start their poly journey. Um, but maybe one or both partners is feeling like, maybe I'm not enough for my partner. And that can be a really difficult belief to try and help them overcome, to see that it's usually um, not about you as a partner. It is about the other person and how they love Um, and to get their other partner to really try to keep that existing bond alive while creating these new and exciting relationships. Um, That can be one of the biggest struggles that I see couples go through. 
it's kind of the best part also, right? Being able to open things up. We, we have our possibilities are endless in that sense. But one of the things that you mentioned is that recovering from infidelity in our polyam culture, we really have, you know, so much uh, emphasis on the honesty when you're talking about recovering from infidelity, are you talking like a monogamous couple? They have the infidelity and then they like open up to polyamory or (laughs) doesn't quite work that way. Right. (laughs) Um, No, not always. So sometimes there can be a history of cheating in the relationship and one person kind of realizes, Oh, this isn't my natural love style. I'm not meant to be monogamous. And um, sometimes, unfortunately, people do find their way into poly that way mm-hmm. um, because, you know, for a lot of people, they they don't understand or they haven't heard of polyamory until they're trying to fumble through and discover themselves and even explain to their partner um, what has happened. So sometimes I see a lot of couples who enter poly that way. Um, and sometimes it can be problematic. Um, I have to do a lot of work to figure out if this is a person who is a habitual cheater who cannot hold relationship agreements Um, or someone who just didn't understand themselves and has now sort of fumbled into this love style in a way that makes it much harder than if they had discovered this in a more ethical way. Um, Yeah, especially the starting point. There's definitely a difference. And Rolando's got another question here. Uh, So who has the hardest time getting over the idea? I'm guessing he's talking about between the man and the woman typically, but I mean, it doesn't always have to be that right we have our our lgbt couple so uh i guess i think he's he's uh insinuating though between a man and a woman who has the hardest time getting over the idea um well i'm not sure what the exact numbers are and how much you know actual research has been done on that but in my experience it's usually the woman if it is a male female um coupling it's usually the woman who presents polyamory as an idea Um, And sometimes the guy has a harder time sort of coming along, Um, especially if she's not bisexual and she's not interested in women. Sometimes that Mm -hmm. can um, really affect men's egos um, a lot of times. So that's probably the most common one that I see. And it's probably, you know, the guy that struggles more often as for what I see, not that I've done any research on it. Yeah, no, I I would kind of venture the same uh, the same assumption. Uh, we talk a lot about the the theme or uh, the the idea of the one penis policy, mm-hmm. uh, right? That that's definitely one of those things. Um, but what do you think is the reason why? I mean, you said you said ego, right? That's that's part of it. So is is that the primary reason, or what what is the deeper levels of why men might have a harder time coming around to the idea of polyamory? Um, I think the primary reason is definitely um, an ego thing. Guys um, habitually in a traditional society and our patriarchal society, guys um, like to be the provider for their families and for their partner. And if they feel as though their wife or their girlfriend is interested in other men, it may lead them to think that they aren't doing enough, that they aren't providing enough, either financially, Mm -hmm. emotionally, sexually, whatever it may be, it can sort of create this air of inadequacy if you don't understand why exactly your partner wants to have these other relationships. Yep. You can't handle the truth. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it does happen. It happens all the time. Uh, we, we see it, you know, constantly. And it is, again, those are these unexpected changes in relationships. Uh, do you work a lot with uh, people that are just barely opening up? Or do you also work with people that are experienced in polyamory and are just having other issues? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a very wide variety um, of clients. There are some who haven't started yet. They're just talking about it and they really want to make sure that, you know, their partner is really okay. Um, if they are, you know, monopoly, sometimes that can be even more difficult if one couple, um, if one person isn't going to be practicing polyamory, just their partner will be. Um, that can lead to some unique challenges. And there are also clients who have been together for 15 years and they've been poly for 10 of them. Um, and they're just having this one little bump that they can't seem to get over. Um, so there is a wide range of people that I see. I love it. All right. I want to dive into, uh, this particular topic. Like I said, I don't get nearly enough POC voices. And since I have you on and I want to make this something that maybe other POCs will see and be like, Hey, like I can relate to this person. I can talk to this person. Uh, this person understands me. Um, what I want to ask you about is the intersectionality between uh, between being black and and polyamorous. Uh, in Dr. Chef's book, she talks about how um, there weren't as many POCs that she was able to talk to because there's like an additional stigma. Uh, in her book, she talks about a story of one uh, woman in particular who went to college and, you know, was the only black person at her college. And, you know, that happens often where that's, that's the situation. They're the only black person in the room or whatever. And to not only have that as part of a minority, but then to extend it even further and be, you know, this other thing, this polyamorous, right? It, it's uh, even within the community can be shunned. So can you talk to me a little bit about, uh, mind you, this research, this book was written uh, almost 15 years ago. It, it was started about 15 years ago. So a lot has changed in the past decade and a half. The, a lot of the uh, Instagrams and things that I follow are POCs. It's a lot of, you know, we're seeing it more and more and more, you know, and and especially, you know, with the things that have happened over the past year, I remember marching and, you know, part of the part of the chance is, you know, uh, black trans lives matter, you know, like we're, we're telling people over and over and over again. So um, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts, your uh, opinions on the intersectionalities here of polyamory and blackness, if you could Absolutely. speak to that. Um, yeah, so obviously the first one that's going to come to mind for me is the inter intersectionality of being um, a black woman specifically, um, and poly, mm -hmm. especially since we are already hypersexualized, then to say that, oh, I'm married and I want to have other partners um, can be, um, it can lean into that stereotype sometimes and make it really uncomfortable for me to navigate spaces as a black woman and have to um, fight that presumption that, you know, polyamory is not all about sex. Um, because I'm a black woman, that doesn't mean that I'm more likely to be polyamorous than anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be one of the highlighted points of intersectionality that comes up for me. Yeah, that's definitely one. Um, 
I, I just want to keep hearing from you. I, I, I feel like I'm in a, in a position to give you a platform to talk, not, not to me, right? Don't, don't think that, that you're talking to me. Think of uh, the people that are listening, people who are, you know, still closeted about being polyamorous and don't know if they can come out to, to their families, you know, people that, that are, are afraid to out themselves further, people that are, that are, you know, just nervous in all these different ways. You know, what are some things that you would say to your younger self or to, you know, somebody that, that, that you meet on the streets who sees you and says, I want to be like you? Um, I would say that it is never a bad thing to be yourself. I know that everybody comes from a different family life. Um, and I personally got really lucky with my family. I was able to come out to them and they didn't bat an eye. They were just like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> how is that going to work for you? Um, but I know that that's not how it is for a lot of families. Um, but if you feel like your family could be supportive or, you know, they want you to be happy, I would suggest to come out as safely as you feel it's possible to um, especially if you aren't reliant on your family members for mm -hmm. any sort of financial support, um, there's even less risk for you in those areas. Um, you should never be ashamed of being yourself. Um, there can be some repercussions. I know legally, if you're going through like a custody battle, you know, mm -hmm. polyamory is not necessarily a protected class right now. So you'd want to be conscious of those decisions. Um, but even in the black community, our families have really never looked nuclear for multiple reasons. Um, whether it be incarceration rates or um, murder rates or homicide rates, um, our communities have always looked a little bit different. And it's not mm -hmm. always been, you know, one mom and one dad, a husband and a wife in the same household. Um, uh, I can even remember a time when my grandmother was talking about this boyfriend that she had, but it was, you know, it's like the family secret that you don't talk about. Um, our families have always been a little bit mixed or if you had, or if you knew about the guy who had the family on the other side of town kind of thing and the wife kind of accepted it as long as it kind of wasn't in her face kind of thing. Right. Um, so there are examples of different love styles in our communities already. We just have to be more vocal about who we are and the way that we love and, you know, forcing people to accept us for how we are. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of going back to uh, that, that intersectionality uh, of being a black woman, uh, the, the hypersexuality stereotype, what would you want to say about that? Like what, it, it's one thing to broach the topic and just kind of say, Oh yeah, well, this is, you know, a problem, but what, what do you want to say about that? Or what do you, how, how would you speak to that specifically? Um, I would say that sexuality is already on a spectrum and whether your sex drive is high or low is not in any way um, determined by your race. You just kind of are born with the sex drive that you're born with. Um, so you know, my blackness is not a contributing factor to how often I do or don't have sex or my relationship style. And hopefully as we have more faces that look like mine in the community, we can see that that wide um, variability and spectrum play out in, in real life. And for what it's worth, I want to see more faces that look like yours on this show. So again, calling out to uh, my POC polyam community, 
If you want to be on the show, I want you here. I want to hear your voice. Uh, PracticingPolyamory.com. Go sign up. Um, other things, you know, uh, kind of in this in this same topic of conversation, uh, there is one famous book that I can think of um, written by polyamorous black man. It is Kevin Patterson, if I remember right. Um have you yeah. read that one? That one's on my reading Absolutely. list. I haven't gotten to it yet. On my shelf here, actually. Heck yes. Um, love is Not Colorblind. It is an awesome book by Kevin Patterson. I love it. Um, he was actually one of the first Black voices that I heard um, in the community. Um, and it was amazing. I love his book. I immediately went out and bought it when it was available. Um, and it's really, really good. Can you tell me more about it? Um, he talks about his his um, experience specifically as a black man, um, and he confronts things like I can actually probably flip through <laughs> the table of contents because it's been a little while since I've read it. Um, but he talks about othering, fetishization. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, class and othering um, about how sometimes even when you're in spaces that are supposed to be inclusive, when there are so few black voices. Um, it can feel like you are speaking for a whole group. And in that way, it is othering, as in you are the one voice that we're kind of looking for. Please, you know, they want to be inclusive, but it is also in this way saying you are not like us. Um, mm -hmm. And in some ways we aren't, but also sometimes we just want to be Black in a space and exist. Um, yes. About how tiring that can be. Um, so it, I mean... You, I, I almost feel guilty of doing that here uh, with you today. I mean, it's no, it's it's, totally it's, an, it's an honest thing, though. You know, I and and that's that's part of the conversation. You know, the, 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 this is perfect that it comes up because I'm as a host of this show. I'm trying to learn. You know, and and the fact is, I have had you know a lot of white voices on the show right and and not enough poc so when i have somebody that is it's like yes you know i'm not white i'm mexican right mm -hmm. i'm like somebody like me right somebody who looks you know a little bit closer or i mean whatever but but the fact is you know i don't want to broach that line right i don't want to also be othering i want to give the platform and i want to give the space um how can i improve how can I do better and not, you know, not put somebody if I if I have another, you know, the, when I have another black guest, how can I make sure not to make them feel othered? Um, I think context definitely matters. So when you are, you know, allowing yourself to be on a show like this, you're kind of expecting these kinds of questions. So it's not necessarily a burden um, when you're when you're going into it with open eyes and you know that there is a need for things like this because people can't learn if there's no one there to teach them. Um, and, you know, we are the best teachers of what we need and what our communities need. Um, so some of us have to be available to answer questions. And that's why I sign up to do things like this. Um, to make myself available so that, you know, somebody else doesn't have to, because I really don't mind doing <laughs> these things. Um, it's like the only time I get to talk about myself because my whole job is talking about other people. So <laughs> <laughs> so context is is a big deal. If, we, if we're here on this show and I'm asking you all of these questions, you're you're expecting it. But if I'm at a poly meetup situation and, you know, all of a sudden somebody starts asking these questions, that's not the place for it. 
Um, generally, I would say that if you're in like a poly meetup thing, people are there to meet people and to mingle. Um, but oftentimes there are other opportunities to talk about race than a space where you're trying to to integrate into a group and find your place amongst these people. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that would be a more nuanced situation. Got it. Yeah. The, the, the other thing about it, you know, uh, the more I read, the more I educate myself, you know, I keep hearing uh, that, you know, it is not the black community's job to educate everybody else, right? Like there's enough information out there, uh, like people should be educating themselves. And so when, when you're in those spaces, I, you know, what you're saying right now is when we're in those spaces, I don't want to put somebody in a position where they're educating me, right? They're there to meet people. They're there to mingle. They're there to hang out. And, and, you know, sure. If the opportunity, is that the word? Um, if, if the situation presents itself, if it's just something that kind of comes up, then maybe somebody can jump in and, and start to have that conversation, but it's not a space where you just go and start asking these pointed questions. Yeah, exactly. That's probably what I would say. Um, and if you have like a burning question, you could probably, it'd probably be more appropriate to ask something that has an, you know, that has an end, like ask for a resource. Like, is there a book I can read on this topic or something like that, that doesn't inspire too much, um, too much teaching just, you know, for resources that we may or may not have. And speaking of, you've got a bunch of resources back there. It looks like you've got a, a bunch <laughs> of polyam books. Uh, what are some of your favorites there that, that you've uh, read and love? Um, so definitely Kevin Patterson's book, 100%. Um, the Ethical Slut is over here, of course. That's like the staple of the community and where people love to start. Um, designer Relationships was also really good. Um, I believe that was by Mark um, and Patricia Johnson. That was a decent one. Um, if you've ever read, um, let's see, there's so many books over here. Um, this is not necessarily a poly book, but it is one of the books that I recommend to all of my clients um, because it changed the way that I relate to pretty much everybody. Um, and it's The Lost Art of Listening. I don't know how well that's showing up. <laughs> the Lost Art uh, of Listening, got it. Yeah, by Dr. Michael P. Nichols. He is an incredible writer. Um, and he talks so much about how you can change the way that you're interacting with the people around you by simply understanding the need to be listened to and how to be a better listener. Um, I could not recommend it more highly. <laughs> well, you recommend it to every one of your clients, so it must be a really good one. Um, Kendall, I want to uh, respect your time. We're getting uh, really close here to this 30-minute mark. Um, first of all, I want to ask you for any final thoughts that you might have, uh, just something that maybe if I, if there's something I forgot to ask, uh, something that you wish I had asked, uh, or anything that you would like to leave, uh, with our audience before we go. Um, I think the thing that I would most like to say is if you are thinking about joining this lifestyle and you think that it may be for you or for your partner, um, then please do the research that it's going to take and have somebody walk you through this process so that you are not stepping on all of those emotional landmines. It is a beautiful love style that can bring so much love and openness into your life if you go about it the right way. Perfect. And if they wanted to get in touch with you to help them guide, to help guide them through, how can uh, someone best do that? Um, through my website. It is kindlesgarden.com. 
I think it's linked below in that little scrolly bar at the bottom. Yep, yep, kindlesgarden.com. Perfect. Well, Kendall, uh, it's been a pleasure. I really want to thank you again uh, for taking the time to hang out with me today and give me uh, your valuable insight. Uh, I do hope that you come back another time. Would love to chat more with you uh, and uh, continue digging into these topics that we really don't dig into enough. I, 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 I just want to keep putting this information out for more and more folks to be able to relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. If you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on all uh, on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already. And please leave us a review. We'll really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, Kendall, for... Uh, taking some time. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Anytime. All right, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful day. Uh, celebrate a little bit. Justice is, justice is served today. <laughs> justice is served today. All right, everybody. We're out. Have a nice, have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash